All right, turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 6. I remember so vividly, I'm in the student union building at high school. I'm a sophomore, and someone tugs on my shoulder. I hear my name called out, and I'm thinking it's one of my friends. And as I turn, some guy steps right into my face, and his veins are bulging. His face is bright red, and immediately I'm surrounded by about eight other guys. They're all seniors. Some of them have two or three inches on me, 20 or 30 pounds on me, and you know when things are about to get really bad. And my mind is flashing to what happened just a few days before because I had seen this exact scene pan out before me with the same guy, and it resulted in uh, another guy getting smacked right in the face in the same spot as I was in. And this guy starts going off on me of why I'd been talking to his girlfriend. And I'm thinking that my short sophomore high school life is about to end. (laughs) And I still have no idea how this happened because they had strategically waited until the bell had rung and everyone had gone to class to stop me. Out of nowhere, this big guy named Scott McLeod. Scott McLeod, one of the only Christians I knew of in my high school, just shows up, and he goes, hey, Robert. To understand Scott McCloud, you have to think of Baloo from the Jungle Book. It's like a human happy Baloo, and he extends his arms, massive arms. He was a massive athlete, extends his arms like this, and just looks at these guys and goes, guys, you don't want to do this, and he just sweeps all eight guys away, and that was my cue to leave I booked it. I had never been so happy to make it to geometry class in my life, and I survived to tell the story. And you know, there's something in our hearts that are so grateful when someone uses their size and their strength to defend the helpless. I mean, there's a reason why the Robin Hood story is made every five years into another movie. As someone who uses their strength to rob from the tyrannical evil to give to the the poor and the needy and the helpless. And that's why I love talking about this topic as we continue our end time series today, this incredible, wonderful, heartwarming topic called God's Judgment. God's Judgment is possibly the most unpopular topic in the whole Bible. But I want to tell you, by the end of this sermon, I'm convinced that you are going to be in love with God's judgment. And here is why. Here's my my thesis today. I want you to write this down. God's judgment is rooted in and overflows from his love. God's judgment is rooted in and overflows from his great love. And today I want to give you the four primary types of judgment in scripture. And I tell you, if you listen with an open heart, you're going to find your heart strangely warmed by the goodness of God. Number one, I always encourage you to take notes and to actually look at these scriptures yourself, highlight them on your phones or in your Bibles. Number one, the first is God's judgment of wickedness. God's judgment of wickedness. People say they don't want to be judged. Hey, don't judge me. They don't want people to be judgmental. I tell you that you are thankful for judges in life. First of all, this is a time of tremendous persecution of Christians. 
you just open up your news apps, you'll see this week and these past couple weeks, there's been hundreds of Christians who've been violently massacred. Men, women, innocent children in African nations, the Vatican, which is the seat of the Roman Catholic Church, and also Gordon-Conwell Seminary, which is one of the preeminent seminaries of, of, of Protestantism, they both claim that there's somewhere between 90 to 100,000 Christians every year who are violently killed for their faith. And we see this scripture in the Bible because you say, how is that okay? How is that fair? Revelation 6, 9, it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And, and maybe those stories about the, the Christians in Africa or, or the, the Christians in the Middle East that are being killed by ISIS. or, or you know, you, We all read the stories of the Holocaust as kids, but some of the stories that have almost the same numbers, 1.5 Armenian 1.5 million Armenian Christians killed in Turkey. 1.5 million Georgian Christians killed. I mean, there's just the countless millions. And yet, we come to the end of the Bible where we're so many Christians. I just had a woman after this service tell me, you know, I've been so afraid to read the book of Revelation because of the judgment. And I want to tell you, no, we're thankful for judgment because there's a time where God says enough is enough. Enough killing innocent people. Enough destroying lives. Let's, let's, let's bring it down to you. You're on the beach. You're, you're hanging out with your family. Mission Beach or Coronado. You're having a, a picnic. You're minding your own business. And a violent gang comes up and starts harassing you. And then they rob you. And then they start doing horrific things to your family. Brutalizing them. Raping them. Ending up killing them. I tell you, at that moment, you need a righteous judge who doesn't say to that gang, Hey, no problem. It's okay. Hey, try, try harder next time. No, you are thankful when a judge meters out justice and stops and, and locks up. We were thankful when Osama bin Laden, who took countless lives, not just in 9-11, but massacred countless people, when Saddam Hussein, who had destroyed and decimated countless children, Buried people alive. We are thankful when that kind of person is brought to justice. I want to tell you that God is a just God who does not put up with evil forever. Yes. Revelation 16, 1 through 14. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Let me just tell you, who is this judgment coming out on? You don't need to fear. This judgment is not for you. It's for people who worship the beast, who's the beast, the Antichrist. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned to blood like that of a dead person and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, you are just in these judgments, O holy one, you who are and who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets. God is just in his judgments. He is pure. He is loving in his judgments. 
and you've given them the blood to drink that they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by intense heat. Welcome to church. Sweet little text to memorize. And they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. You need to underline they refused to repent because throughout the Bible what we see is God will even forgive and wash clean and redeem evil people if they will only repent. Like you remember the story of Nineveh, the, the prophet Jonah who was swallowed by that whale. He's sent to Nineveh and he goes to preach and then he's upset because Nineveh, who had been full of so much wickedness, they just say they're sorry and they just repent and God forgives them and says, okay. And Jonah's like, no, 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 God, they're bad. But they repented. That is how gracious God is. But these people refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. That is the Antichrist. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river of Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon. That's Satan. There's demons coming out from Satan. Who's receiving the judgment? It's Satan. It's the Antichrist. It's demons. That is what God's judgment is for. He cannot stand wickedness, destroying innocent lives. Out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of his false prophet, they are the demonic spirits that perform signs. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Here is the great news. God's judgment is not for you. You want to escape God's judgment? Just repent. This is what 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There is coming wrath. There's coming wrath from God in the end of this book. But you don't have to worry about it if you give your life to Jesus. It's not for you. It's not for anyone who would just repent and turn to Jesus. He's that good. He's that merciful, but he's also that good that he won't let wickedness and destruction and, and, and devastation and heinous crimes and, and, and atrocities committed to innocent people forever. He is a good judge. Now watch this. Number two, there's a second type of judgment. That's typically all that people think about, but here's an, a second type of judgment that's so important for us to know. It's the separating of believers from unbelievers. This is called the great white throne judgment. If you're taking notes, write down the great white throne judgment. You're going to see two throne judgments. And this is where Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. This is the great white throne judgment. Then I saw, this is Revelation 20, then I saw a great white throne and someone who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for him. I'm thinking about this November election, you know, and people are like, oh my gosh, do I choose this guy or this guy? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Can I just tell you, there's coming a time where no one's gonna question who should be on the throne. They're like, you undeniably, undisputably should be on the throne. Like, you're good, and there's no denying of it. You are the rightful ruler. 
And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in their books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Do you understand that every person will be judged? Every person you see. Today when you're, when you're going home and you're driving the car, every person on the highway. This afternoon when you're on the beach, every person you see, they will go to one of two places. They will go to the lake of fire, which is called hell, or they will go to eternal paradise, which is the new heavens and the new earth to be with Jesus. There is one of two places that we will spend eternity. Uh, a group of us have been going on Sunday nights to Mission Beach and just saying, hey, we want to just take Jesus out to the public. So we've just been having our guitar and worshiping, and then a crowd just inevitably gathers around us, and then we start talking to people. And so I go up to a, a group of teenagers. Uh, my daughter and I and her friend go up to a group of teenagers, and I'm just asking these teenagers how we can pray for them. And they're like, oh, well, we're not sure. And I said, well, here's maybe the main way we can pray for you. Let me ask you this question. If you died today, and I'm like, because you, you know, like, this is a dangerous time to live. And they're all like, yes. I'm like, like COVID, like people are dying. They're like, yes. And I said, and then there's like, there's like riots and violence and gun violence. And they're like, yes. And like this, I mean, the Mission Beach parking lot is very dangerous. And I'm like, like you can be hit. Like people are fighting for, we, Steph and I pulled up, two people almost got a fight over a parking space for crying out loud. What's happening to the world? And, and I'm like, you could die on the way home. And they're like, yes. I'm like, I don't want you to, but, but we're all going to die. And then the Bible says that we're going to stand before a, a, a judgment seat and we're going to have to, like, it, are, are you going to be let in? To heaven. I said, so are you 100% sure if you're going to heaven? And all four of these teenagers look at me and like, no, not sure. And I said, but here's the deal. The Bible says you're going to go to one of two places. And the question is, when you stand before judgment, is, is your name written in the book? Not, not this book. This is a Bible. But there is another book, according to the scripture, called the book of life. And unless your name is written in the book of life, you will not spend eternity in paradise with Jesus. And these, these, these young people are like, I don't know. And I said, here's the great thing. I know that my name is written in the book. I know that. And it's not because I'm a good person. It's not because of how many good things I've done. It's because I realized I need a savior. And so there's two things that you have to do. You have to repent, the Bible says, which is say, hey, I'm, I'm no longer going my own life. I'm no, it's no longer Robert in charge. I have to repent. I have to turn. It's not like you're going to be perfect, but you're turning and saying, I need to walk with you, Jesus, and you, you believe. You repent and you believe. That's the two things that you have to do. And what do you believe? You believe that you can't save yourself, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins that you can't pay for. And then when he rose from the dead, he defeated the power of sin and death. And the Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And I said, so do you want that? And I looked at kind of the, the leader of the group, and she's like, Yeah. And I was like, so no, so are you ready to say, I'm no longer leading my life like Jesus is? And, I, and she's like, yeah. So I turn to the next person and I say, so I know she did that, but you, you have to stand before judgment on your own. Like you can't, it's not because of her, you won't be there with her. Like, do you want, yes. I go to the next one, do you want this? Yes. Do you want, yes. 
all four of these kids gave their lives to Jesus right there. And then I'm able to say, you know what just happened? Your name just got written in the book of life. Here's my question for you sitting here today. Is your name written in the book? Is your name written in the book? And then do you realize that every person you see, do you realize that every one of your family members, every one of your friends, like this really matters to me, I was out surfing. Actually, I was out surfing with this guy, Austin, back there. We just met, but Austin and I were out surfing, and I'm, I look, and there's a shark. And I'm like, there's a shark. And Austin's like, wow, there's a shark. He was so unscared by it. And I'm like, no, there's a shark. And, and so I'm thinking like, oh my, well, my first thought was like, I don't want to be out as far in the water as Austin. Like, I'll let him be closer to the shark. He's not scared. And then I'm thinking, no, that's not like a godly thing to do. Like... But then Austin's in there, and then there's a guy, all of a sudden, I don't know where he came from. He's swimming out by where the shark is. Like, this is a guy swimming laps. And I'm like, this is classic Jaws material right here. And you know what I started thinking? I'm, but first, my first thought was, well, good, it's not gonna get me. It's gonna get that guy. And then I think, no, because if he gets bit, I'm swimming out there. I can't, I can't let someone get attacked and not go save them. You do the same thing, right? I, I'm amazed on how compassion-driven so many good people are that they, see, they see someone attack and they go and they help and they jump in. Why are we like that with a shark attack, which is a momentary affliction, and we don't care that people are going to a Christless eternity to suffer forever? I, 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 t I tell you, it, this is a time for us to get bolder and bolder and bolder. And let me just tell you, people are open. Because we, we went from that group, then I talked to another group of young people. And all three of them said, yes, I want Jesus. And then I went to another group of five uh, young people. And all five of them said they want Jesus. Let me tell you, the harvest is ripe, people of God. It's time for us to tell the world, there's two places you're going. And God is good and he wants you with him forever. I have to start preaching. Third type of judgment. It's called a shaking judgment or a pruning judgment. A shaking judgment or a pruning judgment. Haggai 2, 6 through 7. This is what the Lord says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. The sea and the dry land, I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. If you have been in this church for a while, you've actually heard me say that as I started seeking the Lord at the beginning of the COVID crisis, I, b I believe it's a gentle judgment. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying that the COVID is from God? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that God allows a shaking to see what we put our faith in. And he says, I'll shake the heavens. I'll shake the earth. I'll shake the dry ground. I'll shake the seas. I'll shake the nations. What is that? In the heavens, they're, they're, they're weather patterns that, that freak people out and, and concern people. The, 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 the earth, there's, there's pestilence that, that come. There's, there's COVID crisis. I'll shake the seas. There's tsunamis. And, and 
I, I remember the tsunami that hit Southeast Asia. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's from God, but I am saying these things are allowed because we end up going to Sri Lanka, a Hindu stronghold, and we saw a wave of people. We saw a whole village come to know Jesus. When things shake, here's, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. When your judgments come upon the earth, this is Isaiah 26, 9. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. Is it a coincidence that right now while COVID is shaking the earth, that all of these young people are giving their lives to Jesus? No, because what, just life as usual and the shakable world we live on, all of a sudden they realize, I need something bigger, I need something stronger. Ah, Jesus! It's time for us to be bold, telling them there's something better than this world. There's something better than just comfort and your iPhone and Fortnite and his name is Jesus. Like there's something better and, and bigger. But here, here's, here's the other thing. The shaking is a pruning of the church. Right? I, I know these things aren't popular. What we like to talk about in church is here, here's three points to have a more peaceful and better life. <laughs> this is what the Bible says. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. I guarantee you that branch is not like, oh, this feels so good. <laughs> no, it's like, ah, this is where I if you've been in this church any amount of time, you've heard me talk about being a young person, being a Christian young person, and my idol was football, and through football, I wanted, all I wanted was glory, gold, and girls. Like, those were my three Gs. Gold, girls, and glory. And, 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 and though I'm a Christian, like, that's what I thought about. I wasn't in love with Jesus. And then I have this heart problem that almost kills me. You've heard about my ventricular tachycardia. I'm rushed in the ambulance. I end up on, on an operating bed. I end up through the night next to a kid in a, in a bubble. I'm, they're having to shock me and defibrillate me. For a year I go through this, I lose sports. But in the midst of it, I lost sports, but I found Jesus. And then after a while, he healed me dramatically. And you know what? That what happened when I found Jesus is it's allowed a lot of other people to find him. And Jesus gave me something that football never could. Now, am I saying football is evil? Of course not. No, my, my sons are, are football players. But my sons have a different perspective. Like my son prays for his whole football team to come to know Jesus. I was praying for my whole football team to come to know how great I was. There's a different perspective. Use your gifts. Use your abilities to point people towards Jesus, but don't put your confidence in it. So COVID-19 is shaking us Christians, right? Are we more rooted in Jesus? Or are we rooted in our comfortable schedules? Are we, do we find our stability in Jesus or do we find our stability that our kids get to go to school? And when that's taken away, ah, I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but I want to tell you, sometimes the shaking's good to see what we really are anchored in. So that's this COVID thing has been a gentle judgment, taking away our comfort, taking away our freedom, taking away our schedules, taking away our finances. And let me tell you, the people who are madly in love with Jesus, I'm just watching them get more passionate. I'm seeing them go, the world's getting crazy, and my only response is to get crazier for Jesus. 
And unfortunately, other Christians, they're nowhere to be found. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast on my way home from church last weekend. It said 50% of millennial church-going Christians have completely disengaged, not just from their church in person. We understand that. Many churches have just been online. But even online, like they're completely, it's completely dropped out of church. That's not okay. And I want to tell you that God wants to move among the millennials. He wants to sweep a new generation. But what's ending, what's getting pruned out is mediocre, lukewarm Christianity. The days of lukewarm American Christianity are over. The days of being on fire for Jesus have come. And I'm excited, in case you can't tell. Last point. The fourth type of judgment, which should really encourage you. The judgment for eternal reward. Judgment for eternal reward. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Did you believe this lie like I did? If you grew up in the church, I grew up a Christian, and I was so frustrated. I was like, why did I have to get saved so early? I really thought that. I was like, it was such a bummer to get saved so early because I would have loved to just live like a hellion my whole life. Just party, sensuality, promiscuity, right? Just fame and fortune and selfishness. And then right when I was about to die, oh, Lord, save me. Throw that Hail Mary pass. And then, whoop, just like the thief on the cross. That would have been awesome is what I thought. Because I never understood the kindness of the Bema seat. The Bema seat is a judgment that just us Christians get. This is how good God is, that he gives a special judgment just for us. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> God, you love me so much, you're going to give me a second judgment. <laughs> yes. Because listen to this. This is amazing. Jesus tells this story. Matthew 25, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Jesus is painting what the kingdom of God is like, and he's saying, hey, there's a man, this is like God, the Father, who goes on a journey, and he calls his servants, that's like you and me, and he entrusts them with wealth. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the one man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, and put it in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I brought the other five. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Come and share your master's happiness. Here are three different amazing 
rewards for faithfulness. Here's three amazing rewards that we see right here. Number one is rule. Like you're faithful and little in the next life, which lasts forever, by the way, God gives you charge of many things. Um, you, you might really hate your job right now. You might be like, man, my job stinks. It's so, I'm like the low man on the totem pole. Can I tell you that that's not your long-term job? Like that's not your, that's like your, some people are like, yes, thank you. No, I, I'm serious. Like, and most people change careers eight times. Like what you're doing now, like no, you're, you're just, you're, you're basically in like kindergarten. You're like in junior kindergarten for what you're going to do when you're a grown-up. You know what you're going to do when you're a grown-up? Listen to this, 2 Timothy 2.12. This is what you're going to do forever. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll also disown us. That's pretty sobering. Revelation 26, listen to this. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. That's those who've given their lives to Jesus. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Next time someone says, well, what do you do for a living? Say, well, I'm actually still in training. I'm in training to reign and rule the universe. You say, yeah, right now, yeah, right, right now, this job, no, it's just, it's just a training program. I'm actually an apprentice to be a king. <laughs> They're like, you think you're going to be a king of a nation? No. No, the universe. <laughs> no, like. No, I mean, we, we think about that. We're like, whoa, Jeff Bezos, he's making so much money with Amazon. No, his, I mean, he just has a tiny micro portion of what you will reign over in the, in the new heavens and new earth. Do you understand? It's worth it to get saved early so I can spend my time investing for eternity. Yeah, the second thing we get is crowns. Now, this is cool, really cool for a balding guy. We get crowns. I, I want to tell you these five different crowns the scripture talks about. Number one, the victor's crown. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. This, this is for people who have walked with the Lord. It's worth it to seek the Lord, to be in his word, to pray. It's not just, oh, I'm just trying to do this, to, 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 to be a good Christian. No, do you know that there's actually a crown you're going to get to heaven, and God is going to place a crown on your head. The second, the crown of rejoicing, also called the soul winner's crown. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. These are for the ones who have shared the gospel and brought people to Jesus. Oh, I want a big, fat soul winner's crown. Sometimes I don't like lost people, and I'm not motivated to save them from a shark. But it helps me to know, but when I share, God has a reward for me. Like most of the time, my heart is very broken for people. But sometimes it's just like, no, you know what? This one's for me. This one's for me because I'm going to be. And, and you know what? Some of you are like, man, I'm not good at this. Like that, I am not good at sharing the gospel. Do you know that you're rewarded if you share and people like reject you? 
The, the, Jesus says this in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes. He says, he says, blessed are you when people persecute you and say all kinds of evil about you. Like, I remember when I started getting this and this one person, most of the people, I mean, truly, I share with people all the time and very seldom are people jerks. But I remember one guy acting like a jerk and I started going like, because <laughs> I, I realized like, this is cool. Because I'm getting rewards. You, you almost want to be like, keep going. Like, keep saying. Because like, like, right now, you're like, you're putting crowns on my head, bro. This is, do you know the, the only way you're not going to be rewarded is if you don't share. You don't have to win everyone. Lord, Get out there. I remember one time I felt emboldened to stand up and preach the gospel in a restaurant. Now that man, and you think, well, that's you, you're a preacher. No, I, I actually am, am not naturally a very bold person. I, I stand up in the restaurant and I go, Excuse me, everyone. I'm like, I can't believe I did this. Excuse me, everyone, here in the restroom. No, I, I, I said restroom. And everyone's like, oh, what? And then I shared the gospel. And, and someone came that was about to, to kill himself. And they were ministered to. But the point was, you can do it horribly. You can call a restaurant a restroom. And God's still going to reward you. Don't worry about how good it is. God wants to reward you. Point number three. The third crown is a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 8, which will be given to those who have a longing for the Lord Jesus. All, you, all you're doing is sitting and going, man, I wish Jesus would come back. It's, this is the ultimate participation award. <laughs> like, I'm one of the, I, I'm a, I, I've coached, I coach soccer, basketball, football, and so I always get on those moms that are like, we need to give Johnny a participation award. And I'm like, no, Johnny stinks at basketball. Give the winner a trophy. <laughs> like, come on, this is how the world works. But Jesus is like, no, I'm the author of participation awards. <laughs> like Johnny, he just sits in his chair and is like, I wish Jesus would come back. He's like, and you deserve a crown. That's how kind Jesus is. He's the author of participation awards. You're just sitting in your chair wishing Jesus would come back and rescue us from this mess of 2020. And he says, I'm going to give you a crown. That's how good Jesus is. Crown of life. James 1, 12, Revelation 2, 10. Placed upon those who have endured and triumphed over trial, temptation, persecution, Young people, every time you say no to sexual immorality, every time you decide to not click on that next porno pornographic site, every time you turn down that next substance, every time you decide to put a cover on your mouth and not slander and gossip, I tell you, there's reward for it. You are getting rewarded for eternity. That's how good God is. Why does God allow it to be so hard? Like we have these drives in us and he says, wait till marriage. And you're like, why are you? I, I used to be like, God, why are you holding out on me? What I didn't know is every no you say is rewarded for eternity and eternity forever and ever. That momentary challenge will be rewarded beyond your wildest dreams. Every time you're persecuted at your work, every time in your family someone mocks you for being a Christian, another reward, another reward, another reward. And so you know what these make me do? This, this, this thing, it, it, there three things that studying rewards and reminding myself of rewards do in me. Let's put up that slide. Three incredible rewards 
three reasons. Three reasons to study. Number one, it motivates me to live for him every day. Because I realize that you are so good and you're going to reward me. Number two, it comforts us that the evil will not go unchecked forever. When I open my news app and I see another atrocity, another child destroyed, another act of racism, another horrific genocide going on, another famine, more poor people that are being mistreated, I say, oh, thank you, righteous judge, that you're returning to earth and taking your rightful seat. And one day you will put down every oppressor and you will live Lift up everyone who loves Jesus. And you know what that makes me do? It just makes me want to worship as I see his power and sovereignty. I'll finish with this. I had been told how beautiful Yosemite was. I remember my, my neighbor, who was definitely not a Christian, I mean, he was, he was definitely not a Christian, going, Yosemite, that's God's country. I was like, dude, you don't even believe in God. That's God's country. And so for our 10th anniversary, I wanted to take Steph somewhere special. So we said, well, let's go to Yosemite. And I've spent a lot of time in the mountains growing up in Colorado or New Mexico. And so to be honest, when we drove through the like Rangers check-in booth into Yosemite, I was disappointed because I was like, it's just more trees and some, some hills and we're driving. And I'm going, gosh, all that drive for this. And then we go into a tunnel, and now it's just completely pitch dark. And I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? And we pull through the tunnel, and all I can say is, oh, when we pulled into Yosemite Valley, and there's Half Dome, and there's Yosemite Falls, and every car, when you go through that tunnel, it's just like this gravitational pull that just no one can keep driving. Everyone just pulls over the side and you just stumble out of your car and you're looking and all I could say was, oh, oh. And maybe that's what the Apostle Paul was experiencing when he wrote this in Revelation, I mean, in Romans 11, 33. He says, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. I want to tell you that as you dive into understanding the judgments of God that are rooted and overflowing from his love, and you really start laying a hold of this, that all you can say is, oh, you are beautiful. You are powerful. You are good. And you are coming again. Like last time we missed you so many because you came as a little shepherd. To the shepherds, you came as a suffering servant. But this next time you're coming back as a righteous and ruling judge. Let's stand up.